Do you ever feel like you're working in spaces that don't support you or want you to be less than to succeed? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Embracing Your Voice podcast, a show for ambitious women of color who have created the impactful life and career they've always wanted while being unapologetically themselves. To live the life you want, sometimes you can't always follow their rules. You have to create your own. And on this show, you'll learn from the amazing women of color who've done just that, and how you can too. I'm your host, Atima Omara. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners. Um, I am excited to be joined today uh, by my friend, Danielle Moody, who is a cultural connoisseur, political junkie, and podcast extraordinaire. Um, Danielle is a former and self-proclaimed recovering lobbyist turned media maven who has made a name for herself, never being shy about shaking things up and calling out BS where she sees it. Uh, She has been an unapologetic commentator about America's racism problem, among many things, um, when it comes to our nation's politics and policies. And she made waves on election night initially in 2016 when she called Donald Trump's win what the white supremacy's last stand video clips of which went viral. Since then, she's made frequent appearances on MSNBC, CBC, PBS, and BBC, and has increased her media footprint with three podcasts that reach over 500,000 listeners um, through her flagship series, iHeartMedia's Woke AF Daily, and then The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal that she co-hosts with fellow journalist Andy Levy, and Democracy-ish, which she co-hosts weekly with uh, fellow Daily Beast columnist and author Wajahat Ali. She also writes um, for Zora, Vogue, Essence, and many others. So I'm so excited to have her here, just talk more about her journey and really this concept behind how uh, we do things kind of differently than what we planned in our, our life and career. So um, welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, I want to kind of jump in a little bit. I first thought about the concept of having you on. One thing that I've always been sort of impressed in looking at your career from afar is really like how you kind of kept going and kind of built something that didn't really have a blueprint. You know, you have like medical school, Mm -hmm. law school, you know, these type of careers where you do a certain type of schooling, you do a certain amount of time of internships, fellowships, you know, and you just kind of land a certain place. And, you know, podcasts are sort of this new thing. Um, Even just sort of doing being a media commentator um, is not something that everybody ends up doing, especially coming into politics. So I'd love to kind of start very much at the beginning for you and, and, you know, really who is Daniel Moody and like you know what did you think you were going to be when you were growing up did you think you'd end up doing this or how did you end up out of on this journey um well thank you so much for having me uh mm-hmm. very excited about your podcast and podcast journey um <laughs> and and so who who is Danielle Moody I mean I think I ask myself that every day um <laughs> uh I started out um wanting to go to law school uh, when I, you know, when I was in undergrad, I got my degree in political science and uh, initially wanted to go to law school and and thought that that was going to be my path. 
And, um, but I, I decided not to, and went instead and got my master's degree in early childhood education. And the reason for that is because throughout my life, I have seen and experienced myself how education, particularly a good quality public education, is the foundation for success, right? And and we were taught that and it was kind of drilled into our heads. Um, and of course, throughout time, uh, college and, you know, and, and pursuing that kind of degree has become economically unfeasible for, for many people. But for me, Public education, K through 12, I thought if young people can have a robust education, then they can have more opportunities and access to whatever it is that they want to do. So that's the degree that I went into knowing that I only wanted to be a classroom teacher for a few years because I really wanted to do education policy work. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I, I worked in Washington, D.C. at a public charter school, went um, and then worked on the Hill for Congresswoman Yvette Clark. Um, when she had just entered Congress. So this is like a million moons ago uh, through the CBC fellowship is how I got there, uh, Congressional Black Caucuses fellowship program. And um, I really enjoyed working on education policy. I was working, you know, with helping to devise New York City's public education and kind of at, at this point of reform in the early 2000s, in the mid 2000s, I will say. Um, and it was exciting, right, for, for me to be on Capitol Hill, to kind of be in that place where New York City at the time had 1.1 million kids that it represented. And so if you do things in New York City, it's most likely going to be replicated across the country. So it becomes yeah. like this national type of footprint. Um, and so throughout my, you know, my time living in D.C., I, I was a lobbyist and and worked for Mayor Bloomberg's Office of Federal Affairs and did education policy and lobbying for New York City specifically um, after I left the after I left the Hill and then went into environmental education as we started having broader conversations about um, testing and taking away recess and taking away field trips and outside time because we started teaching to the test because of no child left behind during mm -hmm. the Bush years. And so, you know, how my career and kind of trajectory has, has kind of winded its way is that while I was working as a lobbyist um, and I would move to like the National Wildlife Federation and do environmental uh, lobbying there for, for education, um, at the same time, the fight for marriage equality was really heating up in the country. And I am a black queer woman, child of immigrants, and, you know, at the time was, you know, looking to get married. And there was only eight states that you could get married in in the country at that time. And ended up recognizing the power of media because initially when we started talking about marriage equality, it was, you know, white gay men that were having that conversation that were not invoking a lot of empathy. Meanwhile, a lot of the discriminatory LGBTQ policies that were coming out were adversely affecting LGBTQ people of color. So by virtue of kind of where I was in Washington, D.C., you know, I decided to really get into that um, that conversation, that narrative. And that's how I entered into the media space. 
um, folks started having me on at that time I had launched, um, you know, one of my very, very first early, early podcasts. Um, and it was, I realized, I said, you know, there are two things that shift hearts and minds and that is policy and media. And, you know, and so for me, it became like this natural you know, progression of really wanting to be active in spaces that one, obviously affect my life, but also affect the lives of marginalized communities. So I, you know, had worked in uh, with my now ex-wife, but I'd worked with and started uh, an initiative at the Center for American Progress that was looking at how, um, you know, anti-LGBTQ and discriminatory policies adversely affect uh, Black people. And that was called the FIRE Initiative. It was a four-year initiative um, funded by Arcus that, you know, that we did put out reports and kind of, you know, wanted to delve more into that narrative. Um, and then from there, I just, for me, it was like media and having conversations about, Democrats versus Republicans, democracy, it kind of expanded from right. there. And um, and I just realized that like storytelling is incredibly powerful and the ability to have a platform where you can educate um, the masses is really important to me. So while my career has been windy in terms of um, the path that it's taken to now being a full-time podcaster, to now being a full-time political commentator, um, is to me still about that root foundation of education. It's like the students have had changed, but yeah. the message and the importance of education for me have been the thread that connects everything. Yeah, no, I, one thing I have sort of appreciated is that impact as well, just coming, being a daughter of immigrants as well and realizing how important, I used to just do writing and then I realized, oh, it's really important to have folks who look like us um, discussing how politics and policy, you know, impact our communities because they're certainly not centering us in any of, of the narratives. Um, you know, the one thing you said that kind of also interested me was like, I remember, you know, thinking you kind of really started off doing a lot of media. You initially had, you know, some independent shows and then you know, for somebody who's on that media trajectory, you know, you always hear sort of in the industry, oh, like, get that commentatorship, get like, you know, a paid political analyst, because for folks who are listening, you don't know, most of us, when we're on there, we're just commenting, we're asked to come on, and we're not getting yeah. paid to do it. Um, so unless you see like, MSNBC, political analyst, CNN, political commentator, like, you know, most of us are just are, are not paid. Um, but you finally, with your, one of your shows, was able to get um, a contract or at least work through Sirius XM. So that's, that's mm -hmm, like the brass mm -hmm. ring, right? Like mm -hmm. you got that. Um, but then it also didn't turn out the way you thought it yep. would. And so, um, yeah, tell me more about that. Because that, I know yeah, that was there, you know, it, it's It's funny because I think that the when you initially get into media, right, the goal is always to land at one of the legacy networks and, you know, and think that that is going to be your big break. And I, I say to anyone that is thinking about or is in media to really think about why you're doing it, right? Like, is it just for a paycheck? Is it because you have a point of view that you really want to relay? 
what happened with me and Sirius is that I was I was on Sirius XM for with Woke AF, which is where my flagship show launched. Um, and, and it launched in response to Donald Trump being elected uh, president in, in 2016. And so while I was there, um, there started to be these constraints of what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to talk about because now you're tied to another entity. And I ended up parting ways with Sirius. I have no problem saying that they let me go because I tweeted out um, that the CEOs uh, were giving were do very major donors to Trump. Yeah. And this is public, this is public knowledge, knowledge right? right? Like it's, 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 it's public, you know, anyone can look it up. And, and all I said was facts and right. they did not like that. And they were just like, you know, um, we're not going to renew, you know, we're, we're not interested anymore. Um, and so we're shutting down your show. And I said, and so it was a really big lesson yeah. to me. And at the time, I will be honest, like I was really upset and devastated because of the ability of this major corporate entity to be able to pull the plug and take the microphone um, away from me because I was telling, I dared to tell the truth. And so you have to be really cautious about what your goals are um, because if you do get one of those really you know cushy positions, understand that if you step out of line, if you do not toe the line, you will be removed, right? And we've seen it time and time again with MSNBC commentators, with CNN commentators, um, who are not, you know, right? Who are, yeah. you know, who are largely also people of color, right? Yeah. Um, that are not given the benefit of the doubt. So for me, it was a lesson learned in that, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to go anywhere where I can't own my voice, and um and be able to speak my truth and that you get to dictate what I say and when I say it. So mm -hmm. if you want me, right, then you have to want like all of me and not yeah. just, you know, uh a part. So, you know, I went to an independent um network. I went to DCP uh Entertainment, which is a black owned company, uh really focused on progressive uh BIPOC voices. Um, and they still remain my production company for both Woke AF and Democracy-ish, but Woke AF went to iHeartRadio and podcasts. Um, and, you know, in that contract, I was able, because of my experience with Sirius, to ask really thoughtful questions and make sure that we were on the same page about what we wanted um, out of the show so that I was never going to be put in a position because I'm not somebody that's going to compromise my integrity or the truth in order to keep a job. Like, and, and that, that's me. And I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, uh, call foul on anyone who does it. Um, you know, who does choose to make the compromises we, you know, to each their own, but I I'm just not the one. Yeah. <laughs> not the one, the two or the three. Two yes. or the three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's like one of the things that I, you know, have been impressed with because some folks are like, man, I lost a check. I'm trying to mm -hmm. make something happen here. And now, and you were just like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. Like, I'm going to, yeah. you know, because you converted that to your own independent podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And how, how quickly after that did you do that? I mean, so I left iHeart, let's say, I'm trying to think of the timeline. I can't actually remember. I want to say that it was 2018, maybe. Um, and I ended up starting a Patreon um, mm -hmm. so that in the interim that my audience, you know, could still find me. Um, and then I then went on with DCP who was doing, you know, the production and putting up the show. And so it was only really a couple of months, uh, to be honest. Um, and you know, and again, there are hiccups, there are, there are hiccups and there are starts and, you know, stops that happen. But I think that I was really committed to being in a place that saw me and my and my full self and wanted to elevate the fullness of my voice. Um, and so integrity for me is kind of, is, is what the driver is. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be in place. It's what, it's also one of the reasons why I stopped, um, you know, when I got into the TV game, you know, pursuing an MSNBC commentator, you know, to have that check mark and that label. And, you know, after several years of, you know, doing practice shows and auditioning for this, that, and the other thing, I stopped because they wanted the ability to tell you what you could and could not tweet, what you right. could and could not share on social media. So would you get paid? Sure. But yeah. how much is your voice and your truth really worth? Those are the questions that people need to ask themselves in media. And if like, and if again, no shade at all. If you were going into it because it is an income driver and all of those things, then great. But do know that there will be things that you have to compromise on. And for me, telling the truth is just not a place that I'm going to compromise. So while I go on the show, I do, I am again, an independent, you know, voice. I don't go on TV all the time anymore either. Um, because unless I really trust the hosts and the conversations that they want to have, I just don't bother. Right. Yeah. That's a, a good point, a place of power to kind of come into, come into doing that. I remember something else you said, you know, and this is from also my experience. You said, you know, to me once that, you know, you, you got on there and sometimes you have like five to seven minutes to say what you want to say. And you're like, I had a whole lot more I could have said and get to say yeah. it. And, um, you know, that was very also important to you, I think also in sort of the decision to have your own, your own show Podcast. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a hundred percent because, you know, five to seven minutes is, is the, is the segment time, right. But yeah. that's the host, you know, doing their introduction when you really break it down, right. You get about yeah. 90 seconds, Yeah, you know, 90 seconds to make a point on sometimes really complex and complicated issues. So I also, the reason for Woke AF is because there was a lot shifting in the country, obviously, as we know, um, in 2016 and 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated. And I'm like, we need to have more nuanced conversations. And cable news does not, does not offer the space and the time for nuance, right? You're going in for a hot take, and then you're you know, and then you're moving on. So I really wanted a place where, you know, friends and folks that I knew uh, from, you know, academics, authors could have a space to really get into the nitty gritty of things and not just like a quit hot take. Yeah, yeah. One thing also I have found from sort of doing our work in sort of politics and advocacy and even media 
is that oftentimes, you know, and I think we've had this conversation before, you say you have to like toe a line and that's your experience certainly with sort of serious, but also just into being accepted into like certain circles or invited to certain events, especially if you're in DC or New York where sort of your access um, is another type of prestige you can kind of Mm -hmm. have. Um, But you don't, you're, you know, very confident in like doing it sort of your own way and not, um, you know, falling falling into that and just feeling free to say, you know, what you're going to say. And I think that that is, I think that pressure is definitely very much on on women of color. Um, So how do you, you just always try to stay true to sort of like telling the story, but how have you, have you had moments where you've doubted that or you've just been like, oh, it'd be of easier. Course. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, because you can see other people, you know, ascend in certain ways that you're just like, well, how come I, you know, how come I didn't get the show and didn't do, you know, the thing. And so there is a lot of self-doubt. There is a lot of competition, Right. Um, But there is, again, this owning of who am I? What is my unique perspective and what do I have to offer? Right. Mm -hmm. And does that and 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 those that really, truly want your perspective and voice, you know, will follow you. Right. And 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 will listen to you. And I think that the best feedback that I get are from, you know, my audience members. Right. Who. Um, are very faithful listeners of all of my shows um, and, you know, and say that they've been, you know, they have felt guided through really dark times that, you know, that this political climate can make them feel utterly hopeless over the last several years. And so, you know, they tune in because it's an opportunity for them to feel in community with other people, with other like-minded people so that they don't feel alone and crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's again asking, well, what is it that I'm truly trying to get out of this? Is it some type of fame for for whatever that is worth in superstardom? Or or is it again about being an educator and wanting to really help people? I mean, both and would be, you know, is wonderful. But in terms of the culture of media, oftentimes you have to make choices. And, you know, and unfortunately, particularly black women, right, Mm -hmm. um, are forced into corners and to make choices. And so for me, again, I feel incredibly fortunate to have made a career and can say that I'm a full-time podcaster and like, you know, and feel really good about that because it's what I've always wanted to do. Um, I have always wanted to just be not just, um, you know, a voice, but to be an educator and use different means, whether it's writing, uh, speaking to, to connect people with a, with their power and a deeper truth. Yeah. I, I was wondering also in that, because I think of my own, you know, journey into doing this work and my parents as black immigrants were like, "Mm." can't you do like law school or can't you do, <laughs> can't you like 
you know, like when I literally got my master's in public administration, my dad was like, okay, so when do we go to law school? And I was like, uh, first off, can you just congratulate me on the master's? <laughs> <laughs> my next career. And are you paying for this law school? Because have you seen these prices out here? Um, right. And yeah. And so when I did the political stuff, especially for, you know, someone like him who was a refugee here because politics went awry, mm. I think he was just sort of like, okay i mean he watched news he paid attention it was still like in his you know blood to still care a lot about politics but that was also not what they were thinking i was gonna do um so did you ever have that moment with your parents at all or were they just like hey you know you do you and no i mean i think that my my family knew from a very like young age that I was going to do something that had to do with like, you know, public service and wanting to, you know, to be of service and in that way. And so when I, you know, went to the Hill and, you know, worked for nonprofit organizations and worked inside of movements, um, that wasn't a a shock to them. Uh, You know, it was like, do you want to go to law school? Cause that seems expensive, you know? And again, like, for me, if law school had been free, then I probably would have gone just because I love yeah. learning. Um, but I didn't want to practice law. I just wanted to understand how to how the law was applied, you know, in our government, in our society, for whom and how, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted that deeper knowledge and 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 expertise, but I'm like, it wasn't worth the multiple six figure, uh, (laughs) you know, price tag in order, you know, in order to get it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's definitely was it for me too. And I realized, oh, I I just want to be an advocate. I want to do advocacy. And I talked to a number of lawyers who were like, you don't need my, yeah, they're like, you do it. Exactly. (laughs) And that, you know, and I think that had I had a desire to, let's say, do corporate law, right? Mm-hmm. Or entertainment law that was going to pay back, right? Like yeah. quickly, uh, yeah. how much money was spent. But I'm just like, so I'm going to run up a six figure debt in order to do public service. The math is not mathing there. Mathing. <laughs> like, yeah, right? You know, <laughs> the math is not making sense. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Especially talking about student loan debt. Oh goodness. Um, well, have you found in your in your particular journey and, and kind of the winding path you've taken, but sort of been able to sort of stay as a person who has been able to be an educator throughout it, even though it looks different from being in a classroom, mm-hmm. now doing it through media. Um, have you found having sort of broken free of like what expectations are of how you should do it in media and what mm. you should be saying? Have you found that you are much happier you are where you're meant to be now? I am. um, And that's such a good question. Again, when I first started out, I think that I was trying to replicate what, you know, what I thought a media person should look like and sound like. Um, And over the years have really, and I think, you know, through again, launching my own podcasts and really finding my own voice and rhythm um, that then I was able to really now go into, 
you know, different shows and different outlets, like with a sense of, of just my own truth. And when, you know, when people ask like, Hey, Danielle, are you free? Can you come on, you know, such and such a show? And, you know, and you get the topics and all of those things. It's just like, well, do I have something to add here? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I going on to, to, to really offer and share? Um, And, and those are, those are the questions that I ask myself before I say yes or no, you know, before just being asked, I would jump at the opportunity to be on TV and not really, it was just like, I just need to be on, be on, be on so that I can increase my footprint. But in the beginning, it was like, increase your footprint for what exactly, right? Right. And so now um, I am very happy that I am known as a very bold voice, right? For those that like, that do, follow me and know me and see me on, on, on TV. I don't curse on TV, but I curse very much on my (laughs) own shows, um, which, you know, which I'm also known for. Um, but, but I think that I have found my, my lane, my path. And I feel really, I feel really good about that. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I think I've learned is that, you know, in this journey, and uh, we've been talking about it a lot as, as I think women of color across the board is just this expectation that, you know, we've got to be, you know, twice as good to get half as far. Um, you know, there was another person who talked about, you know, how a Taylor Swift could get away with doing certain things that Beyonce just never could, right? And, <laughs> you know, I, I think I even saw maybe you commented on one of those posts, you know, where it's like Jay-Z saying, hey, she's won, my wife has won all the Grammys, like most winningest Grammy person out here yep. and still hasn't won album of the year. The math ain't math it, right? You know, and, and, you know, we just had to sort of make sort of a lot of compromises um, to be sort of who we, to be sort of who we are, to be accepted, and then it's not good enough, right? And I think when we sort of lean into how you, I think I like to say you have an epitome of like really embracing your voice and who you are, that we kind of get a lot closer to who we are and we kind of find the success um, that we're meant to find. And so, you know, what do you think are other things that you've learned um, in your journey to finally, you know what? Like, who am I? What's my voice? You know, what am I trying to do? Um, so, and any advice you'd like to share with folks about Yeah, it? you know, and I just, I, I want to touch on what you said about like Jay-Z and Beyonce, because for whatever you, whatever opinions people have of Beyonce, mine are incredibly high um, <laughs> of her and of her and her music. But I think similarly, you can see the trajectory of artists that have, found their lane in terms of I'm creating art for art's sake I'm not creating music for an award or for the masses right like there are politics in everything and I think that Beyonce is a person who in the beginning when she was young and Destiny's Child and when she first came out as a solo artist you know, she was following the footprints and the paths that other, you know, people and entertainers had followed. And then all of a sudden she found like her own voice and art mm-hmm. and was just like, I'm above this now, right? Yeah. Like in so, in so many ways, like I'm not 
going to go begging the, the academy for this, that, and the other thing. And I think that similarly, you know, when you find what your thing is, it doesn't matter what the outside voices are saying, because there will always be some people that love you, some people that hate you, some people that think that you're brilliant, some people that think that you're an idiot. And so you have to be extraordinarily steadfast in what you think of you and what your offering is, right? Yeah. And and that offering may change and will change over time as you learn more, as you understand more, as you learn your craft more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for for me, I think that what I have learned is is just that. I used to be devastated by the comments. I used to be devastated by people who didn't, you know, applaud me and think that like this appearance was great or this thing was wonderful. And I said, well, if I am going to be at the sway, right, of other people's opinions and voices, then I'm never going to get anywhere because I will twist myself in knots trying to convince other people of my value and my worth. And yeah. I think that that comes from age. It comes from six, experiencing both successes and failures, but really reimagining for yourself, well, actually, was that a failure, right? Okay. Like my first, uh, you know, I'm working on um, uh, my first book and it's just like, when you look back now in reflection and it's just my first attempt at entrepreneurship didn't pan out, right? right? Yeah. Like I- I, you know, I, I dipped my toe in it for a couple of years. Then I was just like, it's not going where I want it to go. So I went back inside of uh, a media PR and communications firm and was there for a couple of years. And I'm like, nope, this does not fit. And then the next, you know, and then the next uh, time that I decided to go out on my own, you know, it's now been five years. Yeah. right of of working for myself and learning a lot of different things um and being able to expand in different ways but i would have never been able to do that if i had kept listening um and contorting myself to the opinions of other people right yeah. um and so for for me the the greatest you know advice that i can give is get really clear about who you are what you want to say how you want to say it, um, and and don't pay attention to the comment section, right? right? Just like be really steadfast and rooted in what you're offering. Um, and I think that that for me has been, again, I think it's a process of age, the process of having now been in the media policy, politics game for like, you know, 15 years at the, you know, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I love that point about Beyonce because I do remember reading something about that too where she, I think her mom was being interviewed and she said, you know, honey, I don't, you know, when she was starting to do Lemonade, I don't know if people going to be okay with you leading so hard into the Blackness and the culture and all right. the things. And she's just like, mom, like, if I'm not going to be able to like take all of the capital that I've built up of the success to do what I want, then what was it all for, Right. Mm-hmm. And I just remember really being struck by that, you know, and she's never, and she's sort of like had a couple of very scripted interviews, you know, that are in print and she sort of alluded to that. Right. And it's funny, like when she finally 
did Lemonade and of course with Renaissance and you know both concerts that's when I became a fan like I liked her before I jammed out to her stuff yeah but I was like oh I'm like now a member of the Bay Hive because you can just see like I think we, we can feel you're attracted to somebody when you realize they're really in their essence yes who they are yeah and I think if that's what that's how she really gotten to be the superstar that she mm -hmm. has God is when she is when she really began to trust and see herself right yeah. and when she when she you know and and us being able to kind of watch that maturation but like when she began to really fully you know see herself as like a woman a black woman what does it mean yeah. to be a black woman to be sexy to embrace these things from her beyonce titled album to renaissance like the i mean it is yeah. just extra i mean truly it's extraordinary yeah. it's extraordinary to see um and so i do think that um again you only get that when you get real introspection yeah. when you decide to really unpack like yourself right yeah. and really get into a place of trusting and owning who you are and what you have to say, quieting out everything else and cut and moving forward on your own trajectory and path. And, you know, and that being it and trusting into the universe and just keeping it moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, why am I here? Why am I doing? What am I, what am I doing? And standing very much in that essence, um, mm -hmm. I think is, is how you be whatever that destiny it is for you. Um, and I've always respected that in you as well. And just, you know, I'm drawn to people who are, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And you was sort of like my mental, like big sis, because I just like watched you sort of like <laughs> do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, Danielle's doing it. I'm going to do it. Because you can see oh, other paths. I appreciate been, that. Yeah. Who've just been traditional and done it the like regular way and said things that you know I'm like I know you did not want to say that but you went ahead and said that because that's the, like you think that's the right thing mm -hmm. to say and then you've shown a path I think where you could just be like no this is how I feel this is how I say add nuance like and drop in the swear words and mm -hmm. all of the things right and you know it's it's just fun listening to that um truly so thank you thank for that you. yeah um, well, thank you so much for joining. And I also want like folks to know how they can follow you, listen to yeah. you, all the things. So, well, yeah. thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your wonderfully kind words. Um, folks can follow me on, uh, the socials at D2 sense. Um, I'm occasionally on X, not as nearly as much as I used to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but on very active on Instagram, Danielle Moody, M-O-O-D-I-E underscore on TikTok. Um, and yeah, uh, all of that information is at daniellemoody.com. But my pods, uh, Woke AF Daily, Democracy-ish, The New Abnormal, you can get them wherever you get your podcasts. And I encourage all of you all for those who are interested in politics and policy and some real and some realness serve the side of swear words when things are just <laughs> nonsense as yeah. they often have been lately um definitely listen to woke AF or democracy ish and even the new abnormal so add that to your mix 
Um, well, thank you so much, Danielle. And I definitely will be talking to you soon. Um, but, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule for this. So awesome. thank you. All right. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Embracing Your Voice podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can also find us at embracingyourvoicepod, all one word, dot com. I'm your host, Atima Omar. See you soon.